All right, let's go in the Bible now to the book of Acts, chapter number 21. Acts chapter 21. And uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 5. And just give you some practical teaching tonight on uh, the subject of missions. Uh, this morning's subject was missions mania. And uh, and this is where I would have delve, delve, uh, dove in had the Lord let me do it this morning. So we're going to do uh, some teaching on it tonight. Acts 21 verse 5, And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship, and they returned home again. And uh, when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to, uh, I guess, Ptolemaeus, and saluted the brethren, and abode with them one day, and the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea and uh, we entered into the house of Philip, the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. Um, and verse 10, and as we tarried there, uh, as we tarried there many days, there came down from uh, Judea a certain prophet named Agabus, and when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Uh, then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll stop reading right there. It's as if Paul so committed himself to the cause of Christ that he was beyond the point of no return. Have you ever heard that expression, past the point of no return? And that is indeed the commitment, the level of commitment that it really takes to serve God and to fulfill one's ministry, you know, uh, Christianity is not for the half-hearted. It's not for the weak-hearted. It's for those who are uh, are willing to give even their lives for the cause of Christ. I'm not saying that that's an easy place to come to. In fact, sometimes I doubt my own willingness to go that far, uh, depending on what day you talk to me and how weak my flesh is in that moment. Can somebody say amen right there? Uh, especially when the person or people that I'm trying to minister to sometimes, nobody in here, of course, uh, but uh, people are being difficult. I may not necessarily want to fool with difficult people and, and, and sacrifice with, di but you know what? Jesus sacrificed for difficult people, amen? He ministered to difficult people. In fact, he, he ministered to the very ones that nailed him to the cross and and so there is this constant theme throughout the Gospels and the Pauline epistles uh, and the book of Acts here that, uh, you know, serving God does not come without a cost. Salvation is free, but the kingdom is not. The kingdom's going to cost us, you know. Uh, 
And so uh, verse 6 in particular, you see where the phrase is used, we took ship. We took ship. Uh, You see this transition taking place. Verse 5 said, when we had accomplished those days. So they were between missions, if you will. They had just finished one missionary journey or assignment, if you will, and they're fixing to go on their next missionary journey or assignment. And between those two, they're uh, all going to shore, fixing a load up on the ship, and they're saying their goodbyes to their friends and family and relatives, getting ready to go on and do more for God. And the Bible used the phrase, we took ship. And I just wonder sometimes how many Christians today are willing to take ship for Jesus. I think that's one of the things that fascinates me about ships. If you visit my office, you'll notice that I've uh, started quite the collection of model scale model ships. Uh, I think what fascinates me so about ships is the historical element behind them and how that nations literally were birthed through people who are willing to put their lives in jeopardy to travel from one place to another. And though the travel was perilous, the end goal was more important than the possibility of not surviving. And, and, and I think that we forget sometimes that the end goal of making sure that everyone hears the name of Jesus Christ is bigger than whether or not we survive the journey. Can I say that again? The, the end goal of making sure that people hear about Jesus is more important than whether or not we survive the task of getting the gospel to them. And so, so many times we forget that. In fact, uh, today, if you were to ask uh, advice from mission boards on whether or not people should go into uh, hostile territory, we are advised today to not focus on hostile territory, but to go to friendly territory but you won't find any of that in the book of acts or in any of the gospels in fact when god said go whether it was dangerous or not that was the mission and does not the bible say that we are soldiers of christ amen and so i just wonder sometimes what is our logic that we would not even take into consideration the fact that god might be sending us right into the middle of hostile territory You know, it's not without reason to assume that God may still send people in the hostile territory. In fact, I would say that he does. And most of us Americans with our privileged uh, religious freedoms don't have to worry about, at least today, uh, most likely being killed for our faith, at least by our government. Uh, But let me tell you something, we can be so comfortable with that that we lose sight of the reality that there are many around the world that do not have the luxury of the protections of freedom of speech and such. And, and, and so uh, we kind of have a skewed view of Christianity and the cost of commitment that it requires. While it's easy for us to, to be saved and to make a public profession of faith and, and be baptized publicly without fear uh, of, of abandonment or rejection or worse, people in other parts of the world, if they even get caught being baptized in a, pu- a public baptismal the public baptismal waters, then their family completely rejects them and they may even face uh, punishment by death. And I just wonder, uh, you know, and and listen, I'm not one of these preachers that tries to throw a guilt trip on you because you're not being persecuted for Jesus. I mean, how do we sign up for persecution in America? 
what am I supposed to do? You know, I can't help the fact that I have religious freedom. I can't help the fact that right now the government's not trying to shut me down in some ways. And, and, I, and they may come a day, and it may come real soon that they're going to be heavy on us. The signs of the times are here. And if you're paying any attention to the p- political winds, if, 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 uh, if Americans don't stand up and get a backbone and protect the freedoms that we have, we're going to lose those freedoms. And I'm not going to turn this into a political lesson tonight, but I'm trying to make a point. Listen, uh, there, there needs to be a line drawn in the sand. Are we going to commit ourselves to Christ or aren't we at any cost? Amen. Uh, th- three things we need to know about uh, taking ship with the gospel, so to speak. Taking the gospel ship. Number one, it's going to affect our family. Verse number five, when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. We kneeled down on the shore and prayed. This reminds me of the many times as a teenager I would take my dad to the airport. This was before 9-11 when you could go with him all the way out to the, uh, huh? the gate. Thank you. You could t- go all the way out to the gate with him and... Uh, and I would see Daddy off, and we would cry a little bit, and I'd pray over him and pray for his safety because I knew he'd have to fly over the ocean, and it'd be several hours. And you always run the risk that something could go wrong. You know, what if he got over there and got malaria and all this kind of stuff? So I, I remember times I'd take him, and I would see Daddy off, and I'd pray over him. And then I was so glad when I got word that he was back in America and, and safely on the ground. Amen. And I kind of get that picture and that imagery here. It wasn't always easy for dad to leave his wife and kids to go on his missionary journeys. Uh, but he did what he felt God was leading him to do. And I, I want to say this to all of us, practically speaking, that to serve God means that it is going to affect your family in some way, be it positive or negative. Um, not everybody's going to be happy about your walk with God. Some of your family will go with you, but some will stay on the shore. Some will stay on the shore uh, of necessity, literally. Some will stay metaphorically on the shore because they don't want nothing to do with your walk with God. Uh, There's a a place in your walk with God that your family either cannot or will not go. Sometimes the family just can't go there with you because it is too intense for them. So what we've got to do is we've got to serve God, we've got to love our family, and ultimately follow the Lord's lead regardless. Amen. And so we also need to thank God for those family members who are on board with us. Boy, I tell you what, I'm blessed in that department tonight. I can, I can rejoice tonight that I have five sons, and I'm, not, I'm bragging on the Lord. Don't, please don't take me the wrong way. But I, I know what I've got, and I'm very thankful for it. I know what God has done in the lives of my children, and the fact that I know that they are here, uh, that they want to be here. It's not just that they have to be here, though they do. Amen. I'm not going to let them off the hook. But I literally believe if I gave them their own choice, they would show up for church and serve God. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. You know, not every family can say that. And I'm very blessed. And that's not to shame anyone who doesn't have that same story. But it's just to say, look, some, some family faces the dynamic where they don't have that luxury. And, and it's not even your fault. You raised them right, but they made their own choice, right? 
But uh, regardless, you need to be able to continue to serve God and not allow the naysayers of your family talk you out of doing something that God has called you to do. So it's definitely going to affect the family. The Lord even taught his disciples and thus us that uh, that he came to set, uh, what did he say, father against son, mother against daughter, father-in-law against son-in-law, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. You remember the scripture. Basically, uh, it wasn't that Jesus wanted everyone to divide, but he knew that the gospel would automatically, by default, bring division because some people have rebellious hearts and they're just not going to cooperate with the requirement to repent and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's going to affect family. And honestly, today, a lot of people uh, don't serve God because of family pressure. There's a lady right here in this community, I won't mention her name, but she was going to come to church after we visited her and knocked on her door. And then she, uh, her family, she was Catholic, her family got word that she was going to go to that Baptist church and she let them talk her right out of coming. It's sad. But you gotta, you got to have your own walk with God. You can't worry about what your family says or don't say or does or don't do. Amen. And so understand that it's going to affect your family. Uh, so try to just love them, uh, be patient with them. They, they, they may be your sore spot of persecution, but you love them and pray for them anyway. And set a good example before them. Amen. It also requires flexibility. Verse 4 said, uh, uh, And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Uh, that's an interesting verse. <laughs> Uh, it, it seems to indicate to me that the Holy Spirit was telling Paul to go a different direction. Is that what you understand after you read the text? And then another prophet came and warned and said, Now if you go, this is what's fixing to happen to you. And Paul went on. And uh, some, some theologians would argue that he missed God. Uh, I don't know that I'm that smart to tell you yay or nay on that. I can just tell you, you better be following the voice of God. Amen? Uh, I, I can tell you that much. But, but verse 4 indicates that they tarried there seven days before they moved on. This, is, this, I think, indicates that sometimes the Lord puts us in a holding pattern. When you're not sure which way to go, wait and seek the Lord. Uh, if you're looking for new direction and ministry in your life and you're trying to find what does God want me to do? How can I make a bigger difference? When in doubt, wait. Pray. Seek the Lord. Tarry. Remember Jesus told the disciples, tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You know, no need in going out without the power with which to do it. Amen. And so... Uh, we need to learn to be flexible to the voice of God. Lots of travel, lots of destinations, lots of change. Same God, same spirit, different environments along the journey. You're going to face different situations. This church is going to face different challenges. As the dynamics change from group to group, uh, we, we'll always have a core group prayerfully, but there will be others who will come and go and we... we can call them floaters without any disrespect there may be legitimate reasons for that there may not be but regardless we need to understand that the, the environment and the atmosphere is always subject to change but God is always the same his word is always the same 
but we need to learn to be flexible to deal with whatever situation we find ourselves in as we adjust and as we go through growing pains as a church. A lot of churches don't grow because they're not able to adjust to the growing pains. It could be a whole sermon preached just on growing pains. Uh, something as simple and, and, and to me as insignificant as losing your preferred seat in church. What if next Sunday morning a visitor shows up and they have never been to this church. They don't know you from Adam's house cat and they dare sit in your spot. I've literally heard of people ask the visitor to get up and get out of their seat uh, because that was their seat. I would hope to God that no one in this church would be that cold-hearted or ignorant. Amen. Literally, they don't know that's your seat, honey. Just get over yourself and sit behind them or sit in front of them. It's not going to kill you for a Sunday or two or even for the rest of your journey with Jesus if they claim that as their seat. Amen. I mean, just adjust. And, and, and that's kind of a silly illustration, but it's, it's actually a very practical illustration. But there are things that uh, churches need to be willing to understand is sometimes it's going to cause things to be a little, little, little different than we've always been used to, you know, and we've got to be willing to adjust to and be flexible as we take ship for Jesus, amen? Uh, you know, we've got to stay when he says stay, and then we've got to go when he says go. Uh, I pray that I can stay here the rest of my life. But I got news for you, just like I told you over a year and a half ago when I came, if God says go, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to get up and go. I pray that don't happen, and I don't believe it's going to, but I, I don't know what, what tomorrow holds. I just know who holds tomorrow, amen? I do know this much. Uh, I've learned to be more committed to what he says than what anybody else says, and I've always found that that benefits me most. And, and if you will commit to that yourself, you'll be a lot better off. Amen. Stay in sync with God's will for your life and ministry. And you'll always be in the right place at the right time for the right purpose. And I'm glad that many of you have discovered that this is the place that God has designated for you in this season in your life. And I would like to think that you're here for, as a lifer. And I'd like to think that some of you... Uh, maybe that's kind of uh, on the fence as to whether or not to join would just go ahead and join. And I'm, I, I, I'm not saying that just because you're sitting here, but I really believe that uh, if God's called you to a place that you should go ahead and fully commit and get plugged in and, and make all the difference that you can for the cause of Christ. Just a friendly challenge to you, not a mandate, amen? Just something to chew on there. Uh, but God will hook you up with the right people in your life during those divine moments. Pay attention to those divine connections that he puts in your life. I've had many of you tell me that you know without a doubt that God sent me to you, and I thank God for that. I heartily agree with that because I know that God sent me here. So it's good that we're on the same page with that. It's good to know that we all see that, and I'm thankful for that. But let me tell you something, this is God's work, this is not our work. This was not even our idea. God just informed us of it at the right place and time, amen? One day they randomly picked up a resume on the top of a, a stack of pastor's resumes and it just so happened to be me. And I just so happened to pick up an unrecognized number that I would normally have let go to voicemail and never picked up. 
And I just so happened to be seeking the Lord for new direction in my life, wondering what God had next for me because I knew that my time was running short where I was at. And it just kind of all made sense. <laughs> That's God for you. You've got to be willing to be flexible to the voice of God. And so we want to make sure that while we are serving God together for however long this uh, partnership is, because it's truly a partnership, that we find out the will of God and what he wants us to do together and we go about doing it. Amen. That's my heart and I trust that that's your heart. But God will hook you up with the right people. Never underestimate the voices that God puts in your life. There's a reason they are there. There's a reason that sometimes God uses you to speak to me and there's a reason often that God uses me to speak to you. If he wanted somebody else to say it to you, he would have used somebody else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But as, as providence would have it, if you're a member of this church, and maybe even if you're not a member of this church, I'm your pastor because God put me here. And I pray that I would always say what the Holy Spirit would have me to say to you, both publicly and in private, as we discuss things and pray over things and seek the Lord's will for our life and ministry. Amen. But we've got to be flexible to what God wants of us. Um, one of the things that's really burdening my heart this year, for example, I really feel like that I'm just going to have to lead the charge on uh, visitation. Um, so probably the second or third Saturday of January, I'll decide uh, in the next few days uh, whenever possible if nothing comes up you know how pastors lives can be hectic and subject to surprises uh, but I would like to start going on a visitation weekly or at least bi-weekly no 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 less than bi-weekly uh, and I may or may not have to get others involved so that they step up in my absence if something comes up but we've got to do something to reach this community and just meeting here every week, hoping that they'll show up, is not going to cut it. Amen? And so, uh, speaking of flexibility, uh, is it going to be an adjustment? Oh, it's going to be an adjustment, all right. But is, it, is the, the rewards going to far outweigh the risk? I believe they will. For such a time as this, I, I really believe this. <laughs> Public uh, confession. I don't know how many hundreds, if not thousands, of doors I've knocked on in my ministry. I've seen very little fruit out of that effort. But I believe what can make the difference here is that I'm in the right place at the right time. And I believe that we'll see more fruit here because of it's evident that God's doing a new thing and it might be a, an old tactic that didn't get fruit on another field, but I believe we can get fruit here. And proof, putting that, a case, case in point is the first time we went out and knocked on doors, we have since had someone join the church as a direct result of that one visitation that we had going out to the community. And God's already given us fruit, and we've only technically went and knocked on doors one time since we've been here. Now, we went out with the, the bus crew one day and we knocked on doors. I forgot about that one. But, uh, and, you know, and this is not to guilt trip anybody. This is not to put pressure on you if you're not comfortable doing that. 
my point is this. Uh, we've got to learn to be flexible. And when God says, okay, it's time to press in a little bit, we're going to have to be willing to do some of that. Amen. And so you be praying about these things and asking the Lord, say, Lord, uh, is there something I can do to help in this process? You, you may not be good at going and knocking on doors, but you might be good at baking some donuts or something and feeding us before we go out on a Saturday morning. Somebody say amen right there. No. <laughs> uh, but you can't never tell what God's going to do. I even, Brother Ron, I even thought about having a, once in a while just having a, a free coffee on a Saturday morning just to, out on the sign, drop in for free coffee, and we order some coffee cups with the gospel on it with a qr code leading to the church website and as they come through we share the uh, share the gospel with them why not try some new stuff you know i I don't know what the lord might have us to do but we've got to be willing to be flexible and so i'm throwing some things out there and casting a little vision tonight so that hopefully you can join with me in prayer and god will confirm these things that he wants us to do and how you he how how he might want you to play a part in those things and uh, if you have ideas, share them with me. Uh, they may not all be practical or applicable, but they all need to be heard because you never know which one might take and go a long way. Amen? So it takes flexibility. And the last thing we'll talk about, it's going to take some fervor. Uh, the word fervor means intense and passionate feelings like Paul here, verses 12 and 13. We preached about it this morning. He was willing to just you know, sign me up for death, whatever it takes my life is his, you know. Uh, Paul was not only willing, willing, but ready to die for Christ. Uh, Paul's passion for Christ far surpassed any fear or rejection or even martyrdom. Christians who are not passionate for Christ never do anything for Christ. I want to say that again. Christians who are not passionate for Christ never do anything for Christ. I don't understand the Christian that don't want to make a difference for Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that I'm much. In fact, I'm highly disappointed in the fruits that I've produced. In fact, I'm not supposed to be the one producing the fruit. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Amen. If we stay hooked up to him, he can produce fruit through us. But we're not the one that produces the fruit. Amen. But I'm highly disappointed in self. I wish I had a lot more to show for the Lord than I do. And maybe I'll be surprised one day. Maybe there's more fruit than I can see, and that's probably the way it's designed so I don't get the big head, amen, on this side of heaven. But my point is this. We should strive to do something to make a difference for Jesus outside of these four walls. Try to reach his community, amen. Uh, So where is the fire in your heart for God? Hopefully it's there. If it's just a little flicker, we're going to try to fan the flames. We're going to throw fuel on it. We're going to try, to, if we have to, amen. We're going to do whatever we got to do to get it, get, uh, you know, uh, fired up for the Lord if he'll help us, amen. And when you let others rob you of your zeal for God, you have made them an idol in your heart, answering to them instead of God. Who are you serving? God or that person you let talk you out of serving him? Amen. Uh, just simply put, don't, don't let people, and, and I'll say this, not only should you not let people, what people say discourage you, but don't let what you think people are going to say discourage you. 
I think we are more guilty of worrying about what they might say than what they actually said. It's called vain imaginations. What does the Bible say to do with imaginations? Cast, casting down imaginations and every thought. Right? What's, uh, somebody quote it for me. Casting down imagination, every high thought that exalts us, assembly gets the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, uh, if you're imagining that when you step out by faith and do something that other people are going to think you're crazy, you're going to run, run you down, most likely not. They're probably not even going to pay any attention to you at all. They'll neither say anything positive or negative about you. I hate to bust your bubble. You're not going to... Uh, probably not going to criticize you. They might. But they're probably not going to roll out the red carpet for you, congratulate you, and be happy for you either. You're going to end up finding that you're going to serve God by yourself a lot of times. And you may find very few, if any, people that are willing to stand with you, but that should make no difference. We should be willing to do what God told us to do, whether anybody celebrates it or helps us with it or not. Amen. That's one of the ch most biggest challenges is, is, is knowing the potential if people could work together. You know, Brother Ron, if everybody that was a member of this church showed up and said, how can we, how can we help? We wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. You know? Uh, but are we going to let that discourage us from doing what we can do? You know, so what we've got to do is we've got to maximize what opportunities we have with what resources we have few as it may be you know never never underestimate the power of a seed just dropping a seed somewhere get you a gospel track write the church address on the back of it start handing it out if you need some help printing them and mass distribute we'll print as many as you'll pass out won't we brother Ron? if you want to pass it out we'll print it that's right but don't make us print five thousand out for it to sit there and collect dust for the next 10 years Right. <laughs> we got to distribute it. That's the point of printing. If we're going to print it, we got to distribute it. Amen. Uh, but it takes fervor, and we're going to have to have some passion. Uh, but listen, passion alone is not going to be enough. And I need to emphasize this point before I close in prayer. Because we are all subject to like passions, and, and passions can be up one day and what the next? Down. It's not just about passion. It's about commitment. Your commitment needs to be stouter than your passion. You'll have your days where you're gung-ho, ready to go. Ready to charge hell with a water pistol. And then something tragic happens and hits you, blindsides you, and next thing you know, all that passion and zeal you had, where's it at? It can't be found. But does that mean that God didn't call you, or does that mean you're going to have to rely on your commitment to Christ instead of your feelings and emotions about it? You see, we don't always feel like serving God. I was so exhausted walking over here from the house this afternoon that when I got to my office, I just about fell asleep in my chair at the, in my office. I didn't feel like coming here tonight. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying this is the assignment. You know, you get up and you go and you do because God called you to. You can't mully grub around and feel sorry for yourself. You just got to go and do it. Many of you had that work ethic growing up. It's not a problem for you. But this younger generation, boy, we, we're going to have to set an example for them. And we can't get, we can't get uh, relax, too relaxed because we'll set a bad precedent. 
they need to see that it's going to take work. Spiritual work, most importantly, but it's going to take some physical work to get the work of God done. It's going to take some physical work. Missions mania. We're going to have to get crazy about serving God and getting the gospel out. Amen. Uh, Lastly, you never stop learning. Acts 21, verse 16. There went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them one. uh, I don't think I printed that right. Where's that verse 16? Uh, Yeah, Mason of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. So they continued to make disciples. And that's really what it's all about, isn't it? Making disciples. You know, I, 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 I do know that uh, it's important to lead people to Christ. Uh, and we shouldn't just lead people to Christ and just throw them out to the wolves. And we should follow up and teach them how to uh, make disciples and share their faith and all that. But I'd rather lead someone to the Lord and then do nothing else. Amen. Then to not do nothing at all. And, and some people think that if you don't have a start-to-finish program where you can not only lead them to the Lord, but you also put them through a discipleship class, that you shouldn't do any of it. Well, you know, the Holy Ghost is pretty good at keeping up with his folk wherever they're at and, and growing them in the Lord and leading them the, into all truth. So even if you don't disciple them, at least if you can lead them to the Lord, the Holy Spirit has a chance to lead them somewhere where they can grow. And you may or may not be the one to disciple them, but tell them about Jesus anyway right so let's not overthink this thing keep it simple the holy spirit does a far better job making disciples than we do anyway uh we need to be willing and able and capable and we need to train ourselves on how to do that Uh, but at the end of the day uh this is seed business and god keeps up with all of his seeds Uh, this is his vineyard and uh we're going to sow a lot of seeds that we're not going to be able to follow up with uh, I've been preaching on radio for years. I very seldom, if ever, get any feedback from the radio from people writing in or emailing me, but every once in a while I bump into somebody, and because I happen to be standing there and they recognize my voice, they say, I hear you on the radio. So I know they're listening, and I know uh, today uh, I got word that there's uh, the roommate for Miss Jean. Whenever Dean comes and plays the radio program for her on Sunday mornings, She's over there listening. She said, I want you to know I listen in whenever he plays that radio program, and it's a blessing to me. You never know where the Word of God is going and who it's helping and how much God's being honored and glorified, and we can't just quit sowing seed because we don't see the fruit of it. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So this is just the work of the Lord, and we've got to leave the results in His hands and just do what we can with what we got. And, uh, and, and I think that's a good way to wrap this lesson up on what it means to be a maniac with missions amen just a maniac just crazy about sharing and spreading the gospel and i appreciate this church for your mission mindedness it's one of the things that attracted us to you is that there was a hunger and leadership to reach more people and there's a good healthy culture here and i think we got something that we can continue to work with and grow and and you know maximize our potential and i thank god for that and and you're given us liberty to extend our personal ministry through other means such as the radio and podcast and 
and, and websites for other pastors. You know, today I've helped publish some sermons to other churches' websites where people in their communities are going to hear the gospel because we had a small part in that. You know, there's just so many ways that we can sow the seed. And, and, and you never know which one God might use the greatest. You just have to keep sowing. Amen. So uh, I close with our verse of the year. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Amen. Stand to your feet one closing prayer. Thank you for your patience.